been doing this series that we're coming to an end of now called Encounters with Jesus. And we've been looking at different encounters that people had with Jesus that we read about in the Gospels in the Bible. And we've been looking at some big questions and how these encounters answer them. So a little while back, we we looked at where should we look for answers. And we were challenged that actually maybe we need to be open to looking to hear what Jesus' answer is to some things instead of going to the other places we might usually go. We looked at the question last week of what is wrong with the world. We, we laughed at all the theories that we all have about that. But that idea that ultimately what the Bible says is wrong is sin. And the root of that sin isn't in all the naughty things we do, but that actually the world is broken because we're not looking to God to answer things. We're not looking to Jesus. And so the question we've got this week is who can put it right? The world is broken People are broken. Who can put it right? And the answer to that is Jesus. End of sermon, you can all go home now. (laughs) Job done. But I think we might want to explore that a little bit more. The answer is always, it is the Sunday school. If in doubt, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who can fix things. He is the one that can put it right. We can have our ideas about what's going to make the world better, but ultimately, it's down to Jesus. Now, What I want us to do this morning is to actually then really look at who he is. Get a real sense of him. What's so special about him? Why him? Why is he the one who can put it right? And to do that, we're going to look at an encounter he had with two people who knew him really well. I haven't turned the clicker. Oh, yes, I have. Is it working? (coughs) Yes, that is working. Okay, so... We're going to look at an encounter he had with two ladies called Martha and Mary. Okay? And they have a brother called Lazarus. Now, this family, Jesus knows really, really well. They're they're the kind of family that they're not related to, as far as we know, but it's like they're related. They're like his brothers and sisters. Okay? They are really, really close to him. And the story is that Lazarus has become sick. Jesus is off traveling away, and he hears the news that Lazarus is sick. But Jesus delays going back to visit. And sometime later, he says, okay, now's the time to go and visit. And so by the time he arrives to visit these close, close friends of his, Lazarus has sadly already died. And that's where we're going to pick the story up. So I'm just going to get my phone out because that's where my Bible is. I'm so organized this morning, people. So we're going to pick the story up. This is in John chapter 11. And I'm going to start reading from verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So, this family, Mary and Martha and the brother Lazarus, they're quite well known in the Bible. You've probably heard other stories about them. Mary is the one who, one time when Jesus was having a meal with his disciples, she barged in in the middle of the meal with this expensive bottle of perfume and she takes the entire bottle and cracks it open over his head and anoints him with the entire bottle of really expensive perfume. And then she bends down and uses her hair and her tears to wash his feet. She's this quite emotional character. She really expresses herself. Her her heart is, is out there. It's also the same Mary and Martha where um, they, they're hosting Jesus and his disciples at their home, and Jesus is teaching, and Martha's through in the kitchen preparing the food, but Mary 
isn't helping in the kitchen. She's sat there through with Jesus because she's so enthralled by what he's got to say. She's so amazed by his teaching. And Martha gets in just a tiny bit of a strop about the fact that she's the one who's left in the kitchen doing the cooking and comes through and complains to Jesus about it. So we kind of know these women pretty well. Two quite sisters, but two quite different characters. One who is very expressive in her emotion, who who will go over the top with her expression, who is really passionate. The other, who is much more sort of, her way of expressing herself is by being organized and being in control and making sure that everything should be. And I think we, we see that character coming through in what's happening here with them when their brother has died. So it's Martha, the one who copes with life by being in control and being organized. She's the one who realized Jesus is coming and goes out to meet him and has a chat with him. And then she has to go and get her sister because her sister Mary is the one who is, you know, weeping with the other women, busy expressing her grief. And let's be clear in that there is no judgment on either of those positions. Different people process things, live life differently. They are just two very different characters. And actually, in the story where it was Martha cooking in the kitchen and Mary listening to Jesus, Jesus actually says Mary was the one doing the right thing, which I bet really bugged Martha. But anyway, I may have an issue there myself. So, two very different women. Both believe Jesus could have healed their brother. Let's look at the subtle differences in the two greetings, because when... Martha comes to greet him. She says this, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. So that's her greeting to Jesus. Mary's very slightly different. She simply says, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So again, we see that difference in character coming through. Martha is still looking for, right, how are we going to sort this? How are we going to make this better? Mary is just in the emotion of, this is what's happened. A subtle difference there, coming through in their character. And the way Jesus responds to each of them is different. With Martha, he, he then shares a brief conversation with her. He starts chatting it through with her, having picked up on this phrase that she said. He he starts chatting through, well, your brother will rise again. He talks about it. Whereas with Mary, his response is simply to weep with her. And I think that shows us something about Jesus' ability to relate to people. Because when someone's had something as awful as their brother dying happening, different people need different responses. Have, Have you found that? Yeah, Some people need you to come and sit and offer helpful advice or encouragement or, or wise words. Other people really don't want you to do that, thank you very much. They just need you to come and sit with them in their grief, to come and sit and cry with them. And if you get it the wrong way round, so if you go to someone who just needs you to sit and cry with them and to be with them, and try to start a conversation with them that's helpful and offer your wise words, they're probably not going to receive it too well. But equally, if there's someone who needs your wise words, who wants to to talk that through and hear your encouragement, 
and all you go is go and do and cry with them, they're not going to appreciate that very much. The challenge is trying to know which it is people want. How many of us would love to have that gift to just be able to know this person who I, I desperately want to help them, what's the way that I can help them? What is it that they need? I would love to be able to know that. But Jesus does, being God, presumably. He knows what they need. And that's perhaps something to encourage us. This is kind of an aside to the the main question we're looking at today, but we may not know what someone needs, but God does. Jesus knows. And so actually, maybe we can't be everything that someone needs us to be, but we can bring them to Jesus. We can point them towards Jesus. And we can seek his guiding. Because ultimately, Jesus is the only one who can heal broken hearts. That's where we need to be pointing people. But actually, his responses here, I think, show us something more about who Jesus is. You see, I want you to think for a moment. So we're saying, who can put the world right? The world is broken. Who can fix it? Now, what kind of person do you imagine would be the one who's going to come and make everything right again? Who is going to save the world? Who is going to put everything right? Who is going to rescue everyone? We perhaps picture some kind of superhero person, yeah? Like the ultimate superhero who is going to come and save the world. Perhaps we might picture a superhero, the ultimate superhero, in fact, like this one. to their childhood there. Yeah, the epic superhero. Seriously, though, we we imagine the one who's going to save the world as being this super cool superhero, the one who's invincible. You know, imagine perhaps you're making a movie of this story we're looking at today, you know, the, the raising from the dead of Lazarus. How would you kind of plan out this movie you know, Jesus, the superhero, would kind of rock in, look, looking pretty cool and calm. And, you know, maybe you'd have some inspiring background music, you know, some reflective music that's, that's kind of building up to a bit of crescendo. And the people around are crying, but as Jesus arrives, they all look up. <gasps> it's Jesus. And he walks in and says, Fear not. Do not be afraid. Weep no more, for I, Jesus, am going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and with great power and might he will walk forth. But that's not how it happens. That's not what happens. If we look carefully, Jesus comes in, and when he sees Mary, 
it says Jesus wept. He wept. Now, just interestingly, for those of you who, who like to look at the details of words, the, the weeping that all of the other people are doing, so where it says um, Mary and the women are weeping, the word used for that means loud crying. It's, it's ugly crying. You know the kind? Yeah. No, not the sort you see in the movies where they go, a little tear. No, this is kind of crying. Okay, it's ugly. The word for Jesus crying, though, is quiet weeping. He doesn't do ugly crying. For, for any of you who were picturing Jesus, you know, having a meltdown on the carpet sort of thing. So, but he does cry. He has an emotional response. Perhaps not quite as cool as Danger Mouse. There's a tweetable quote for you today. Jesus, not quite as cool as Danger Mouse. Is that dodgy? Is that heretical? He has an emotional response. And then, it says in the translation I read you, it says that he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Actually, what the original word there means is he was angry. Okay? He was angry. So he gets angry, then he weeps, and then he gets angry again. This is his response. This is God, the the ultimate superhero, who's faced with this situation, and his response is emotional. It's anger, weeping, anger. Because he is human. Jesus has become fully human. He experiences those same emotional responses that you and I do. He gets it. He's not this sort of distant, cool figure who's just, you know, separate from it. He experiences the emotion of that. But why is he angry? Why does he weep? Because he knows what the outcome of this is going to be. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So why is he angry? Why does he weep? Well, I want to suggest two reasons. First of all, I think he's angry at death. He's angry at the pain that it is causing to people that he loves. If you remember, Jesus is fully human, but he's also fully God. And God didn't design the world to be full of pain. This isn't how he designed it to be. He didn't intend for death to be the end. But because the world's broken, because people have tried to do things their own way, because people have turned away from him, the world is full of pain and ultimately death. It's important to note, though, that it's not the people that he is angry at. He's angry at the death. He's angry at the pain it causes. And that's why he became fully human. Because he cared so deeply, he was so angry to see their pain that he wanted to come and put things right. His weeping is because he's hurting so deeply for the people that he loves. He loves us so deeply that he came to earth as a human being in order to save us, to offer an end to that pain, to put it all right. He knows he's going to put it right. He knows that he's going to live a perfect life and that having lived that perfect life, 
he's going to offer himself to die on a cross, a, a painful, humiliating death in our place. And what I find so beautiful about this, what he's about to do in calling Lazarus out of the grave, in bringing Lazarus back from the dead, this is what actually triggers the course of events that lead to his death. If if you look slightly further down in the passage, after he's done it, it says um, in verse 45, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. So many of them at that point finally realized, wow, this guy really is God. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And then further down, it says, I can't find it in here now, but it says, from that day on, they plotted to kill him. So Jesus, in calling Lazarus out of the grave, in calling a man from death, is actually at that point, starting that journey himself, saying, I call you from the grave, and that triggers my journey towards death. There's a beautiful sort of symmetry there almost. His journey to the grave starts at this moment as he calls Lazarus out of the grave. And so he's weeping because he knows as he calls Lazarus out, He's starting that journey because that's the only way. He knows this is the only way that he can mend this broken world. And he's tried to explain this to them. He said to them, this is from the message translation, when he's talking to... Martha early, he says, you don't have to wait for the end. I am, right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And anyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? So he tells it to Martha, and he asks her, do you believe this? And he perhaps asks that to us too. And it's not whether we believe it or not that makes it true. Yeah, we need to remember that sometimes in life. The truth is true whether we believe it or not. Us choosing to believe something can't make it true. If I choose to believe that this chair is yellow, that ain't going to make it yellow. The chair is blue whether I believe it or not. So Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But he asks her, do you believe this? Because it requires a response. And you see, Martha says to him, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that Lazarus will rise again. I believe that you right now are the resurrection and the life. But does she really believe? Because later on, when Jesus says, oh, move the stone away, she's the one who says, whoa, 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 hang on. This body has been in there for four days now. And back in those times, they believed that after the third day, that was when the body started to decompose and get pretty stinky. Okay, so she's like, no, you do not want to move that stone. There is going to be a pong. 
So does she really believe that Jesus right now is the resurrection and the life? She's got this theoretical idea, but actually when it comes to it, she doesn't really understand what he means. What she actually said to him was, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. That's not what he asked her. He didn't ask, do you believe I'm the Messiah? He asked her, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? Jesus' last phrase when Lazarus comes out of the tomb is, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I want to challenge us this morning. Maybe you've said of Jesus, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe he's the son of God. Yes, I believe Jesus did miracles. Yes, I believe the Bible's about him. Yes, I believe, you know, we should follow his example. But do you believe he is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe he is the one who actually brings an end to all the brokenness and brings life. And not just in the terms of, yes, I believe that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Do you believe that he is the resurrection and life now for you? Are we living broken in this broken world and saying, yeah, yeah, I believe. I believe Jesus is the life, but we're not really coming to life. We're not growing. We're not moving forwards. We're still living in that place of death, of not being able to break through, not being able to change. Do we really believe? And so we're going to finish up now. We're going to spend a little bit of time in worship. And I want to ask you to take some time to ponder. Have I, first of all, do I believe he is the resurrection of life? If you haven't made that decision yet to say you believe, it doesn't change whether it's true or not. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But maybe today's the time that you want to choose to say, yeah, I believe it. I choose to to receive that life from him. I choose to move forward from my broken place knowing that he is the resurrection of the life, that he died for me. Or maybe, yes, you believe. You've said, yeah, I believe. But actually, you've perhaps even crept out of the grave, but you're still wearing your grave clothes. You've said, I believe, but you're still living in a broken place. You're still living under that weight of, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm never going to be good enough. And so I believe Jesus' word to you today is to say, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So maybe for you today is about actually saying, yeah, I really do believe. I believe this is now. This isn't just about one day when I die. This is about now. And I want to take off these grave clothes today. And that's a choice you can make. So I'm going to ask the band to come up again. 
and they're going to lead us in worship. So just take some time and think through with God. Am I living in that life?